Thanks for listening to the Mornings with Carmen LaBerge podcast, made available thanks to support from listeners just like you. Helping you wake up, remembering this is our Father's world. This is Mornings with Carmen LaBerge on Faith Radio. If we're gonna fly, we fly like eagles. Arms out wide. If we're gonna fear, we fear no evil. We will rise. By your power, we will go. By your spirit, we are bold. If we're gonna stand, we stand as giants. If we're gonna walk, we walk as lions. Good morning. It is Thursday, the 2nd of November, 2023. I'm Carmen LeBurge. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. Good morning, good morning, good morning. It's time to rise and shine. Ah, I've been up for a while today. Mm-hmm. Yeah, can you tell? Uh, maybe you're just waking up, and let me just go ahead and tell you, God is great and God is good. We are going to live today as unto the Lord, because this is the day the Lord has made. And you're going to say to yourself, why does she sound so happy? Well, the joy of the Lord is my strength. I am absolutely not looking for my help to come um, through through chariots or uh, or anything else. I'm just looking for the Lord to get his glory today, not only in my life, but in this world that he so loves. And let me just tell you, if you're looking out for that, then no matter what else is going on in the world, and I'll just go ahead and say, it's a mess out there. Uh, but no matter what's going on in the world, God is God and God is good. And so we're going to live with grateful hearts before him today. Our Growing Your Faith verse of the day comes from Psalm 37. And this is one of those, uh, this is one of those times where you, you don't really just want to snatch two verses out of the Bible and say, oh, I can understand this outside of its context. Mm-mm. So these two verses actually come in the context of a set of four verses. Those four verses come in, uh, in a portion of, of the psalm um, that is like a chunk right in the middle. Um, and then this entire psalm, Psalm 37, is an acrostic, which means that it it is designed um, as a way of teaching the Hebrew alphabet. So imagine learning your ABCs by starting a sentence with the different letters of the alphabet and figuring out how to do that in a way that would also sound proverbial because this psalm is one of the unique ones in the book of Psalms in that it's not addressed to God. It's addressed um, to man. So it's, again, written more in the pattern of the Proverbs. Um, so where most of the Psalms, as you read them and sing them and memorize them, they are prayers directed to God, right? That's the Psalter. It's the, it's the, hymn, it's the hymn book of the Second Temple period. Um, some Psalms, like Psalm 37, are the wisdom of God directed to man. So they're more proverbial in nature. So that's, uh, that's where we are in Psalm 37 today. The psalm is structured, again, uh, in not only as an acrostic, but in three movements. So the first 11 verses offer counsel for God's people who are under affliction. And then the, the portion that we're going to focus on today uh, comes in the middle section, so verses 12 to 24, these verses are this, there's an assurance of triumph for those who are godly or blameless or innocent, um, and the passing away of those who are wicked. So this acknowledges that in this life, the righteous and the wicked are in continual and inevitable conflict. This is sort of the, you will have trouble in the world, but I have overcome the world, says Jesus. 
And then in verses 25 to 40, there is the wisdom accumulated over years. Remember, David is the author of this psalm, and he's old or elderly when he writes it. So this is the accumulated wisdom of David as a man after God's own heart. So with that said, today's Growing Your Faith verse of the day comes from Psalm 37, and it is verses, it says 18 and 19, but you have to do 18 to 20, or you absolutely butcher the the passage. So we're going to do 18 to 20. The Lord knows the days of the upright, and their inheritance shall be forever. They shall not be ashamed in the evil days, and in the days of famine they shall be satisfied. The wicked shall perish. The enemies of the Lord, well, like the splendor of the meadows, they shall vanish. Into smoke they shall vanish away. So you see the juxtaposition of what is happening to Uh, those who are described as the upright in some translations, the innocent in other translations, those who are blameless, their inheritance will be forever. They will be satisfied even in days of famine. The wicked, mm -mm, going up like smoke. So um, how do we read that and how do we understand that in days of actual famine, right? How do we understand that in days of actual famine? What about people who literally die of hunger and thirst? Um, what, What about them? And that's a legit question to ask um, in our day and time. There are right now around the world some 345 million people. Just think about that for a moment. 345 million people facing acute levels of food insecurity across 79 different countries. They literally don't know where their next meal is coming from. That is more than double the number of people and double the number of places since 2020. That's a rise of 200 million people experiencing food insecurity and very real hunger since just before the COVID pandemic. So the trend here is in the wrong direction. There are more and more people in more and more places at risk of starvation today. So these are the days of literal famine for some people. So how in the midst of that do we hear these promises from Psalm 37? I mean, how, how how do we hear that and how do we respond to it? Conflict in the days of David, who wrote the psalm, was the biggest driver of hunger, and conflict is still the biggest driver of hunger today. 70% of the world's hungry people live in what are called conflict zones. They are afflicted by war and violence. Think here of Ukraine. Think here of Gaza. Think here of any place in the world governed by uh, a person who cares more about themselves than they do about the people whom God has given them to shepherd. When people are forced out of their homes, when their sources of income are wiped out, when their social systems are wrecked, what are they going to do? And it produces populations of desperate need. That, that, my friends, um, is the group of people to whom we then lift up a psalm that says in the days of famine, the blameless, the innocent, they shall be satisfied even as the wicked shall perish like smoke and vanish away. So those are eternal promises, and we count on them, and we read them in the context of Jesus' teaching in Matthew 12. Um, we read them in, in light of Jesus saying, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. We read them in the context of the foreshadowing of the gift of Christ's body and blood and the institution of the Lord's Supper. We read them in Um, in the context of the Lord's Prayer, where we say, give us this day our daily bread, and where Jesus turns to his disciples in the face of hungry people and says, you give them something to eat. 
and we read them in the context of Jesus' words to Peter, feed my lambs. How will the hungry be satisfied today? Our friend, Dr. Mark Caleb Smith, is going to join us next, and we are going to talk about the very troubling rise of anti-Semitic protests and hate crimes on college campuses and what those teach us maybe about the limits of free speech and academic freedom in the United States today. That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. Dr. Mark Caleb Smith is back with us today. He is the Dean of the School of Arts and Humanities at Cedarville University. Uh, You can find some of the things that he's writing at bereansatthegate.com. Good morning, Mark. Morning, Carmen. How are you doing? I I am well. It is well with my soul. The Lord is is good and gracious, and I'm I'm just living under his sovereignty today. How about you? Uh, I'm doing well. I'm I'm really lamenting the loss of October. October is probably my favorite month. So (laughs) sad to see it slip into history, but November is also good. Is it, is it the leaves changing color? Is it, what, what is it about October? Is it, is it baseball? I mean, I should, I should note the Rangers won the world series. I don't know. It seems like at some point today I should say that out loud. (laughs) No, it's the weather. It's the season. Mm. Fall is my favorite season by far. And if I could live perpetually in October weather, I would do it. There's no question about it. So have you thought about like following it? I've actually thought about like whenever fall makes its like first appearance, I don't know, in Canada and then just like following it down. So then it would last longer. Yeah, we drove, uh, my daughter and I drove from uh, Cedarville to Washington, D.C. a couple of weeks ago, and we got mm. to sort of drive through Pennsylvania um, and parts of Maryland and just gorgeous fall colors. And so while I didn't follow the season from Canada down, I got to drive through it and it, it really was glorious. So at least I got to experience that. It is. It is just stunning. All right. So, Father, we appreciate that. We're just going to say that out loud. Eyes lifted up to you. Just acknowledging we we do love it. So thank you. Thank you, Lord, for that. Um, I, I mean, I am not the only one, but I am deeply troubled about what I am witnessing um, among young people, particularly on college campuses across the U.S. Um, talk with us about this horrible rise of anti-Semitic speech and behavior, even so far as hate crimes on college campuses, um, and talk with us about the limits of free speech. Um, because it's you're just not free to just say anything to anyone at any time. I mean, you there are, there are limits. Yeah, I mean it, it is it is disturbing. I don't know. Uh, I would say during my lifetime, this is the most overt anti-Semitic sort of uh, expression that I can remember. Um, you know, I think we can overdramatize it sometimes, um, but it, it is is dramatic, and certainly um, there is danger afoot, and there are messages being spread that are not just pro Hamas or pro Palestine, um, but that are anti Israel and anti Jewish, um, to the point of threatening and endangering people's lives in some situations. Um, the the uh, amount of violence that's been perpetrated on uh, Jews throughout the United States has exponentially increased or increased during the past year. Um, And I think we're just seeing those sorts of things come to a head at the moment. And it appears that college campuses are kind of the epicenter uh, of a lot of this. And 
you know, we could certainly talk about why that's the case, but I think the short version is that uh, in a lot of those environments, Israel has been cast as sort of the oppressor and as the apartheid equivalent state. And therefore, this is sort of engaging this very strong anti-colonial, anti-oppression sort of narrative that you see on a lot of college campuses. And it's just plugged immediately into this context. And uh, it's disturbing. It's destructive. Um, and I think it is becoming an academic freedom issue to some extent. Um, professors are being pressured. You know, there's an article that you and I both read about a UT Arlington political science department chair who resigned his position because he made comments against Hamas, labeled it a terrorist organization, and then the administration came down on him uh, and his department and said, well, you know, if you guys do public events in the future, we need to approve them. We need to have seven days advance notice of the comments that are going to be made there. <laughs> And you start to see some uh, administrative creep in those directions towards those kinds of that kind of thought. And it's it's disturbing. And it's I think the troubling thing for me is, is how far does this go? It doesn't necessarily feel like we've reached the apex of this yet. Um, I, You know, I feel like professors ought to be able to offer opportunities for not only their own reflections, but the community to reflect together on questions as they arise. It seems totally unreasonable, you know, to say that any anything that's going to happen on our campus has to have all all kinds of weeks of. Yeah. So that part. That part I get. Um, I think that maybe one of the things I don't get, Mark, is. This was obviously right right beneath the surface like these yeah. these kinds of behaviors um the awful vile speech and awful violent vile behavior spray painting swastikas or stars of david i mean I, yeah. these are not things i mean I, these behaviors don't just spring out of nothing and so i mean i am I acknowledge there's a spiritual warfare component to all of this, but I also acknowledge, like, this has clearly been right there below the surface. Yeah, and I think I think most people don't uh, understand, even in America, you know, which we perceive America as being a pretty tolerant country, maybe amongst the most tolerant when it comes to things like free speech. Um, we perceive America's tolerance, but our history, even against Jews in the United States, uh, our anti-Semitism runs pretty deep. Um Private institutions discriminated against Jews for much of the 19th and 20th centuries to limit the enrollment of of Jews um, in places like the Ivy League in particular. There are explicit policies in place. And, you know, that has to be fueling a little bit of this. Um, Some of it is just kind of the adoption of the campus culture of protest, which can very easily spill into acts of vandalism, acts of violence. I think we excuse it, and I'm not drawing a moral equivalence, please, so anyone who misunderstands me, I think we kind of excuse it when it comes to something like George Floyd, because we say, well, we understand what happened to George Floyd. It's a, it's a horrific um, event. It's an injustice. And so if the students get a little bit upset and you see some property destroyed or some spray painting or vandalism happen, then, you know, it's, it's at least it's in the favor of a good cause, even if it goes too far. Well, those kinds of tactics are now spilling into this sort of an issue And I think we need to look at the behaviors themselves and not just simply the motivations they stem from. The behaviors just aren't acceptable. Uh, And the more that authorities allow them, the more I think you're going you're going to see. But just to circle back real quickly, you know, you asked about free speech on campus. When it, it crosses a line, when it turns into harassment and when it turns into threats and when it turns into creating an atmosphere 
of hostility. That's where you really move from speech toward uh, a threatening environment that limits the learning of minority communities. And that's where the government can step in and curb some of that behavior and some of that speech. Mm, that's helpful. That's helpful. Um, so my antidote for, uh, at least for those who would say, you know, well, less speech, let's 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 pare this down. I, I would actually say it's for those of us who have not been pressing forward into the conversation to speak yes. up. Um, yes. And so I'm I am advocating um, for, you know, accompaniment, like go and actually physically walk with people who are afraid to walk across their campus. Um, you know, stand up and, and, and speak up and, and ask questions, ask people why they're saying what they're saying, what, you know, what motivates their, um, their speech, uh, and, and their behavior. Um, so let's, let's talk more, not less. Um, we're going to continue our conversation with Dr. Mark Caleb Smith here in just a moment. We're going to pivot to a conversation about what is happening in Ohio. There's a story unfolding there that has national implications. It is literally issue one on the ballot in uh, in Ohio next Tuesday, and it, all, it is on the topic of abortion. That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. As we consider the life of Jesus and the life of the first generation of Christians, reading here the book of Acts and all the letters to the Christians in the New Testament, we see people who like wake up. They come to see and understand and then receive Jesus as their Savior and Lord. And it changes everything. We see Christians then telling other people about the good news and inviting them to respond in repentance, be baptized, and follow Jesus. The movement of Christianity grows person by person and then exponentially as people walking in darkness receive the light of Christ and want others to know what they know and have what they have. Well, you and I are living in dark days. People need light. And Jesus is the light of the world today in the same way that he was the light of the world at the beginning of creation and at the first Christmas and throughout his life on earth and in his radiance now at the right hand of the Father. Jesus is the light of the world. So if you're walking in darkness of any kind today, I invite you to consider Jesus. If you'd like to know more about what it means to begin a relationship with Christ or to chat with someone about it, just text the word FAITH to 41224. Talking with Dr. Mark Caleb Smith from Cedarville University. He happens to live in the state of Ohio, where there is an unfolding story that has national implications. So, Mark, read us in on issue one. Yeah, so issue one is a constitutional amendment in Ohio um, that is a pro-choice, pro-abortion amendment. Um, And the language of the amendment, Carmen, I think you'll find very interesting. It's about as broad as it gets. And let me just quickly, quickly read a small part. Every individual has a right to make and carry out one's own reproductive decisions, including but not limited to contraception, fertility treatment, continuing one's own pregnancy, miscarriage care, and abortion. Um, a lot of argument in Ohio over what this word individual means. You know, does it include minors? Does it remove parental consent? Um, how, how extensive is the, is the court system going to allow this word to be defined? And then, of course, the word re- or the phrase reproductive decisions has conjured a lot of argument over, does this include sexual transitions? Does this include a transgender care um, does this include hormone treatment? 
And if you add that with the individual element, then are we really talking about minors being allowed to carry out any of these decisions on their own? Now, I think there are a lot of arguments about both of those phrases, um, but it is a significant amendment. And if it passes, it would effectively mean, at least in Ohio, uh, it's as if Roe v. Wade never went away. Um, it would it would it would enshrine the right to an abortion within the state. Right now um, in Ohio, like, you know, right now there is um, freedom to access abortion up to and through the fifth month of pregnancy. That's right. um, uh, state legislature legislators have passed a six week yep. uh, limit on abortion. Um, but there's a temporary court order blocking that uh, while it's being appealed to the Ohio Supreme Court. So this is a dynamic issue in Ohio. Talk with us about the um, the maybe I would describe it as political strategy of looking to um, uh, to concretize this through issue one. Like I, this process of approaching it this way versus the way that it might be approached through legislation. Yeah, so the Ohio General Assembly and really all the elected offices across the, at the state level in Ohio are pretty firmly Republican. Um, and so there's no way any kind of legislation like this would make it through the process in Ohio. Um, Ohio Republicans are pretty staunchly pro-life. As you said, they've passed a six-week uh, ban on abortion, which is still being litigated. Uh, but if you go through this process of a constitutional amendment, and in Ohio, uh, it's easy to amend our constitution. It just takes a 50% plus one vote of the electorate. Um, and if you can amend our constitution, then obviously you've bypassed the General Assembly. Uh, you've bypassed the governor's desk. And uh, you simply put this uh, in our fundamental document. A lot of money has been spent in Ohio and is being spent elsewhere in the process of being spent elsewhere uh, to, to do this. And from what I know, uh, the pro-choice side has outspent the pro-life side by about between two and a half to three to one as a ratio within the state. And so the money is all, it seems to be heading in the pro-choice side. Polling right now appears to be heading in the pro-choice side as well, uh, but we'll see if things tighten up. And so I think what you're seeing, Carmen, is a deliberate effort by national organizations to uh, do their best to enshrine this kind of language in places like Kansas and Kentucky and, and Ohio, states that aren't in the deep South, you know, that maybe this wouldn't happen in a place like Mississippi or Alabama, where they already have very strong language on abortion. Um, but Midwestern states, I think, are going to be very susceptible to this sort of thing. Um, and I think we're going to see more of it. I think there's no question. I mean, I, I look at over time um, how different people utilize different processes available. And so, you know, there's right. the process of actually, like, electing people. And those yep. people represent um, represent the body, and that's how legislation is then passed. Or I look at the use of the courts where, um, you know, cases are brought forward to sort of test the will of the state to enforce its own laws. Executive yep. orders are used in some places. And then and then now um, the, you know, actually amending state constitutions, which paves the way, I think, over time for those who would like to see um the the nation's constitution amended a much more rigorous process but um yeah. but certainly one that folks have have sought to utilize um in the past as well yeah no i agree it's it's an open system um 
And in, in some places, like I said, it's it's simpler to do and money just will simply get the job done. But I think if I think we also have to be honest, though, Carmen, um, if this passes in Ohio, as I said, a pretty red state, all things considered, um, that tells me that the Republican Party in Ohio and elsewhere is struggling over the issue of abortion. Um, I think you're going to have this fracture in a lot of places that we just don't expect. Uh, the party is, is, I think, more divided than we than we thought. Um, and I think those cracks are just going to continue to show up, not just in these sort of state initiatives uh, or in legislation, but also in politics and Republican Party politics and presidential politics, where we're already seeing divisions within the party over how to address abortion. And so the pro-life movement uh, has a lot to do to persuade, I think, even its own party members that this is the only option uh, that we have moving forward. Yeah, and I, I just I think it's important to remind each other that, you know, we can have an absolutist moral position on this as people who um, believe that God is the creator and giver of life and the only one in a position to take it away. Um, we can absolutely have an absolutist position um, as pro-life individuals, and then we must recognize that we live in a representative democracy where those absolutist um, understandings of things are not the prevailing um, wisdom in the culture. It's not the way of the world it, that we inhabit. And so um, I, I just, Mark, it's you when you have this conversation behind closed doors with, yep. with Christians— um, yep. And you ask them, what's your abortion story? Most of them have one. They've, right. They have either had an abortion. They have someone in their family who has had an abortion. They have paid for an abortion. They have forced a woman to have an abortion. Most people have an abortion story in America. And uh, and if you have an abortion story, you you are um, you are more likely than not uh, to to be in a place where you can imagine someone else thinking they need to make the decision that at some point you made, even if you are now living with that as a significant trauma in your life. And so I just, this is a, this is a conversation that has to be deep and wide um, and it has to be had um, with earnestness over time. Yeah. Amen to that. Um, mm-hmm. And I, I think it's possible, but the, you're talking about a long process of persuasion um, not just a public relations campaign and not just a political effort. And I think if if our culture is going to change around the issues of sexuality and abortion, that's what it's going to take. It's not going to be a court decision. It's not going to be an election. It's going to be a long process of persuasion, which we've started. Um, but I think we have a lot more to go. Yeah, I don't want a world where abortion is safe, legal, and rare. I want an, I want a world where abortion is unthinkable. So right. there you that's go. Right. That's uh, that's, right. that's where I would like us to be headed over 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 the long haul. Hey, brother, um, thank you so much. Blessings even as fall turns to winter. Um, may right. you be maybe you be walking by faith in the world that God so loves. Thanks to you and your listeners. It really is always a pleasure. You take care. That's yeah. Likewise, likewise. We love you. Um, no, no doubt you are uh, aware of a world at war. Um, I'm wondering how you're praying in the midst of what you are encountering in the headlines, what you're encountering in your own community, what you're encountering um, in conversations with other people. I'm even having a hard time figuring out sometimes how to like enter the conversation. Like I've just started saying, you know, how are you feeling and what are you thinking about what's going on in the world today? And just seeing uh, by that test how much another person uh, is even aware 
of the events halfway around the world. Um, because for most folks, the prayers they need are super duper close to home. We're going to talk with Kathy Branzell about how we pray in the midst of these days in which we live. How are you praying in the midst of war? That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. Our, our friend Kathy Branzell is back. Uh, she serves on the National Day of Prayer Task Force. You can find all kinds of great resources at nationaldayofprayer.org. Good morning, Kathy. Good morning, friend. How are you? Well, uh, I am well. It's well with my soul, but I also yes. recognize that the days in which we are living are heavy. These are these are heavy times. Yes. How about you? Absolutely. Absolutely. So, um, I'm I'm in Ephesians um chapter 5 and I'm recognizing that um the people who live as light in the midst of darkness and recognizing that eventually everything is going to be exposed by the light but that yes. there is a lot of darkness right now um I um I'm looking at verses 15 and 16 be very careful then how you live not as unwise but as wise making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Don't be mm. foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Um, I feel like it's easy to point at the world today and say the days are evil. So I just thought I might just set before you the question of like, how do we pray in the midst of evil days? Right. Um, so the days are evil, but God's still good. Mm. The days are evil. Um, you know, we, that, yeah, the enemy's busy. Absolutely. But we, we, um, several ways to pray. So get in the word of God instead mm. of get in your head, right? Because this is not worst case scenario. <laughs> the victory is already ours. And so we have to, we have to lift up the word to light up the world we have to get in the word so the word gets in us. Jesus says in John 15 that we are supposed to abide in him and his word in our heart. And from the overflow of the heart, the mouth prays and speaks. And we can speak encouragement to ourselves, just like David did. You know, why are you so downcast, oh, my soul? You know, preach to yourself the, mm. the promises of God. And the and who God is. So praise him in his unchanging attributes. Your circumstances, my circumstances, the days of this world are going to change every day. Uh, but God doesn't. And so pray, um, pray his at praise his attributes, pray his unchangingness and pray his promises. Mm, that is so good. That is so good. Um, I am sure, I feel very confident that you have been asked how to specifically pray for those um, in the Middle East, how to pray for Israel, how to pray for the two million people who are non-combatant civilians um, who yes. are in the midst of this, um, how to pray for the hostages, how to pray for the neighborhood of, of, of the Holy Land, how to pray God's will be done. So as people are asking how to pray specifically in relationship to the unfolding events in the Middle East, how are you answering that question? Um, first of all, pray biblically. Um, mm -hmm. 
don't pray your preferences. Don't pray your politics. Remember, we're, we're not praying for a place. We're praying for people. And God's word says even that he desires all to come to repentance that none may perish. God says, I do not delight even in the death of the wicked. All right. So um, we have to remember that we can be angry, but we're called to be angry and not sin. And anytime I act in an unloving Christ-like way to another human being, um, I'm, I'm sinning. I'm not acting according to how Jesus is called. So everybody uh, knows how much I love Israel. I've gone there every year up until 2020, since 2008. We take small groups over there, love, love, love. And I have many, many, many friends over in Israel. And um, we've got to be praying for protection. We have to be praying for peace. But we have to remember... Um, we have to remember that people are being used as human shields. And mm -hmm. so we need to be praying. Um, uh, uh, we need to be availing much right over there. Uh, but we also do need to be praying for the Jewish people because from the, the beginning of time, Satan has been trying to wipe out God's people to prove God a liar. I mean, just get to the nitty gritty of it. Satan has been after those that God loves and God calls his own, that he set himself up as the one true God, not one of many, the one true God. And if Satan can obliterate the Jewish people, he proves God a liar. And that is why um, for all time, go read the book of Esther and on and on it goes. God disciplines his people. God disciples his people. But um, God loves the Jewish people and we as Christians are grafted in. We have not replaced them. And so we've got to be praying against anti-Semitism here in the U S but um, we need to be praying for God's peace, God's shalom, God's will to be done um, in Israel as it is in heaven. Okay. A number of, um, a number of threads there that I would like to pull further. Um, First, um, the engrafting image. Remind us mm -hmm. biblically where that comes from, that we are engrafted into, um, into this vine, into this people who are Israel. And then I want you to talk more about God's shalom. Mm. Yeah, so um, God says over and over in Scripture that his covenant with his people, with the Jewish people, is everlasting. That has not been canceled. And remember, our Savior was Jewish. The disciples were Jewish. And um, and uh, our faith, we, we, if you read all through, especially Paul's letters in the New Testament, time and time again, it reminds us to the Jew first, and then to the Gentile, that we have been grafted in, that uh, into the vine. You know, he is the vine and we are the branches. And we are Gentile branches that got grafted in in his great love for us. And he, it was prophesied that this would happen, which was absolutely unheard of, you know, because Jews and Gentiles did not associate 
but we were invited to worship the one true God who created us. We are one people. We are one human race. We have one God. We were all created in his image. And, um, and so remember that we haven't replaced the Jews. We've been grafted in, in grace. Um, it is by grace you have been saved through faith, right? Mm-hmm. And so, um, and, and then the shalom of God is being in the will of God, at peace with God and at peace with one another. It's, but it's first peace with God. And we want to continue to pray, uh, pray for the souls of every single person over there. Pray that, um, you know, we owe a great debt to the Jews. Scripture says that the scales have been put over their eyes, um, you know, so that we could be brought into repentance, that we could be saved. And so with that, we keep praying that uh, God peace shalom knowing that God is drawing his people uh, into uh, a knowledge that Messiah has come. And, um, you know, it, it's not that we, it's not that uh, they, we don't want them to believe in Jesus. Of course, that's our prayer every, every, every single day. Um, but Messiah came, our Savior came through the Jewish people. We're talking with Kathy Branzell. She heads up the National Day of Prayer Task Force. Um, And we're talking about how to pray in the midst of the days in which we live. What does it look like to pray God's shalom, God's perfect peace um, over individual persons, over a people group, um, over a place? We are compelled. Scripture compels us to pray for the peace of Jerusalem Mm-hmm. Um, literally, uh, yeah, literally the city of peace. What does that look like? What does that mean? Um, how are you praying for individuals to come to the knowledge and the acceptance, the reception of the peace of Christ, which passes all understanding, that the peace of Christ might rule in their hearts, that God's shalom might be over them individually? Because that's the only way this works itself out in community. Like, there's no peace between us if each of us are not genuinely at peace with God through Jesus Christ. Uh, that, that whole N-O, no Jesus, N-O, no peace, no Jesus, no peace, and then K-N-O-W, no Jesus, no peace. Like, that's not just a bumper sticker. That is, that is some true truth. So we're going to take a, a brief break. When we come back, we're going to continue our conversation with Kathy Brenzel. We're going to talk about um, praying in the midst of the rise of anti-Semitism here in the United States of America. Like, how how are we praying as people are expressing themselves in ways that not only break our hearts and break relationships, but surely break the heart of God? How do we pray in the midst of that? And then, yes, it's November. We're going to talk about praying um, in and through Veterans Day and Thanksgiving. Yep, more with Kathy Brenzel coming up next. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen. As you know, this is a rebroadcast of the live radio show carried on the Faith Radio Network. There's a lot going on at Faith Radio. Tons of free resources just waiting for you and for you to share with others at MyFaithRadio.com. How does that all happen? Well, it happens through listener support. So Faith Radio, Mornings with Carmen, all available because of listener support from listeners, well, just like you. If you're a supporter, 
Thank you so very much. If you'd like to become a supporter today, just visit MyFaithRadio.com. And again, thanks for being a part of what we do every day at Mornings with Carmen. Our friend Kathy Branzell is here with us this morning. She's leading us in a conversation about praying in the midst of the days in which we live. So Kathy, um, I, I, like many others, are very, very disturbed by what we see happening on many of our college campuses. It's not isolated um, to those environments, but they seem to be the places where uh, this anti-Semitism is hotly fomented right now. Um, talk with right. us about pray, praying in the midst of, of what's happening um, culturally uh, in America right now. Absolutely. Um, again, I'm just going to, you're going to hear me say this a lot this year because of our NDP theme for 2024, but um, really get in the word of God. What does he have to say? And you can never justify hate. Um, you can't justify hate in the name of love. You can't justify hate um, in the name of intellect. Uh, that's just, it's ridiculous. And so we need to be praying um, first and foremost for those who were raised in the church, I've been repenting and saying, Lord, you know, forgive me and forgive us for where we failed to bring up a generation of kids who grew up in the church and don't know what it means and the importance of I will bless those who bless you and curse those who curse you. That we brought up a generation who doesn't understand uh, the value um, of Israel, the value of the promised land, the promises that God has made. And um, and so it really is done in uh, the name of ignorance and pride. And so we need to be praying for our college campuses. We need to be involved in our college campuses. Uh, the international community sends its supposed best and brightest to American colleges and universities and then they go back with whatever they learned over here and and fuel their nation with it and so that is why it's important carmen and i've been talking about this for years about prayer walking your college campuses about getting involved with the international christian ministries that are available um, opening your home to international students uh, inviting them to church having a robust a Christian community at your church that invites and serves uh, the young people in the college campuses. And, and we've got to be doing this for junior high and high schools and even elementary schools too. We can't let another generation slip into ignorance. Um, when it comes to the word of God, we have got to be prayerful and we, um, you know, there, we can't continue on with biblical illiteracy. So there's things that we can do to change now and pray now. Uh, the one thing I want to mention real quick uh, as we talk about praying, how do we pray in these times? If you would like to pray with the National Day of Prayer, we are sending out night and day biblical scripture-only prayer prompts, uh, um, inviting you to pray with us for Israel. And if you text the word Israel to 31401, that's 31401. If you text the word Israel, we will start texting you um, morning and evening prayer prompts for Israel. All right, I'm going to text the word Israel to three one four zero one to get to get morning and evening prayer prompts from the National Day of Prayer Task Force. That's awesome. That is awesome. Thank you so much for that. Um, Absolutely. That is, 
That's a lovely gift. Thank you. Um, let's uh, let's hit on a couple of other things coming up here pretty quickly. How are you praying toward and then on Veterans Day, and how are you praying toward and on Thanksgiving? Yes, with a grateful heart first and foremost. Right? <laughs> uh, there's so much, so much science, and it, it's biblical and um, biological to live a life of gratitude. And so, really, in these days where you're feeling anxious. First and foremost, uh, enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Let that be your first thought every morning of praise and thanksgiving, praise and thanksgiving. Let that be your cadence, right foot forward, left foot forward. Amen. And um, and let that grow in your heart. And every time you catch yourself going to a, oh, these days are so dark, light up your mind, light up your heart, light up your life with the word of God. And secondly, we do um, National Day of Prayer uh, focuses on praying for the military, especially in the beginning of November. We've got Veterans Day coming up. And um, I am grateful that we have a robust military that for almost 250 years has protected this nation. Amen. And uh, defended freedom around the world. So be in prayer for those families. I am currently in a different state, very, very close to a military base where there has been night and day, um, uh, a little extra noise in the air, let me just say. And so uh, if you are concerned about the state of the nation and the state of the world and all the wars and rumors of wars going on right now, imagine military families. And so let me encourage you to be praying for them. Uh, And again, uh, God is still on his throne. We're told over and over again, do not fear, do not fear, do not fear. Fear is a lack of faith. And so keep reminding yourself and keep professing to God how much you trust him, how much you love him, how mighty and awesome he is, and um, and knowing that, that he is in control, that nothing happens on this earth that doesn't run through his fingers, and that Satan is not an equal foe. He is a creative being, a created being, a created being. He he is powerful, but he is not equal to God. And so remember, friends, we're on the winning team. God is great all the time. Mm. Amen. And all the time, God is good. Um, thank you yeah. so much. Hey, let me encourage you to text the word Israel to 31401. I have just done that. I got a bounce bounce back text welcoming me to the day and night prayer Israel texting group. So you can uh, you can join me there with the National Day of Prayer. Text the word Israel to 31401. Kathy as always, thank you so much for being with us. Thank you, friend. Happy Thanksgiving. Yeah, absolutely. Happy Thanksgiving. Uh on the note of um what what is anti-Semitic versus what is just anti the modern state of Israel. Thank you to um, Cassie, who is raising this concern on the text line. Concerned that the term anti-Semitism is being used too, possibly too loosely, that there are those who take issue with the modern state of Israel. Um, not, you know, let's be careful not to equate it with the biblical Israel. Um, be careful that um, 
Zionism itself does not become uh, something of uh, something of an idol. Yes, absolutely, and amen. When I talk about anti-Semitism, I'm talking about those who are chanting death to the Jews. I am talking about those who are defecating in front of Jewish doors of Jewish homes. I am talking about people who are chanting from the river to the sea. I am talking about people who are spray-painting stars of David on the lockers and dorm rooms of Jewish students at colleges and universities across the country. I am talking about physical threats. I'm talking about people making motions as of the slitting of throats to Jewish um, individuals. I, I, that's what I'm talking about. When I'm talking about anti-Semitism, I'm talking about people who hate people because they are Jewish. That's what I'm talking about. Um, and if you're not aware that that's what's happening across the country, um, take a listen to c- members of Congress. Um, uh, Congresswoman Debbie Dingell from Michigan, you know, like, not not somebody who's probably listening to this program, right? Um, she is heartbroken and concerned about what is happening in her own district and across the country. Um, what she is hearing from her own constituents um, is 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 frankly heartbreaking and a little bit terrifying. Um, and if you're not familiar with the rise in a, of, of anti-Semitism, both online um, and and in actual behavior, like then make yourself aware. I mean, come to an awareness of what's actually happening in America today. Um, Yes, you can have concerns with uh, a modern state of Israel and its behavior, but let us concern ourselves with the the love of Christ for, um, for all people, including the Jews. We got another hour together up next. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. Thanks for listening to Mornings with Carmen LeBurge. Podcasts like this are available because of your support. If it's important to you to hear things that encourage your faith, click the link in the show notes to give now. And thanks.